With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everybody? And welcome in to another edition of B-Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, alongside you here on Wednesday, September 8th, 23 years to the day since the day Mark McGuire broke Roger Maris's home run record with number 62 at Old Bush Stadium. Yours truly was in attendance at that game that night. Four years old, I believe that would have made me. Vague memories from that game. My dad, I was on the phone with him earlier tonight, asked me what I remembered about that, and You know, I remember getting ready to go to the game and taking pictures and being four years old. I think I had probably a little Mark McGuire t-shirt or tank top that I had. And, you know, I kind of remember, and of course, memory is kind of a funny thing, right? Like you, you hear about the studies where they talk about you think you remember something, but ultimately you probably don't remember it the way you think you remember it. You just remember the last time you remembered it. And that kind of triggers in your brain and that kind of warps and changes things over time. But I kind of vaguely remember the ball being hit and not having like a great angle at seeing whether it was going to be a home run or not. And then everybody celebrates and that's what I remember. Obviously, okay, he did it. That's number 62. But from what my dad tells me, and again, it could just be him misremembering where we actually sat. I'll have to see if he can find the ticket stub. But from what he describes to me about where we were seated, that would not have been possible. The angle that I remember in my brain of seeing 62. So who knows, maybe, you know, over the course of time it's changed, but I did get to talk to my dad this afternoon and he brought up the fact that this is kind of an amazing story that he told me. And again, this is just secondhand, but he told me that prior to the season, like the previous season, McGuire actually hit quite a few home runs 1997 as well and my dad said ahead of time like I think he's going to make a run I think he's going to break the record next year and then as that 98 season was going on of course McGuire was racking up a ton of dingers and it started to look possible and my dad on July 19th went to Schnooks here in St. Louis and bought the tickets for that day's game anticipating like he wanted to sit down and trying to map out you know, knowing that Mark McGuire is going to probably get walked once or twice per game. When do you think he might break it? Noticed on the schedule it was the Chicago Cubs coming into town that week against the Cardinals, and he decided right then and there it would be September 8th, and I'll be damned if he didn't get it right a couple months in advance. So kind of cool story there to kick off today's B-Shape Daily, where we'll have some other cool things to talk about as the Cardinals defeated the Dodgers on Wednesday night at Bush Stadium by a score of 5-4. to four. And it was another epic effort from Adam Wainwright, who just continues to amaze. Now at age 40, continues to get it done for the St. Louis Cardinals. Wednesday was no exception as he pitched into the ninth inning, had a chance to finish off this game. But man, what about that little dinker by Mookie Betts that he hit into right field that 
contributed to ruining the good vibes of a potential fourth complete game in Adam Wainwright's 2021 season. Looked it up tonight, anticipating that he might have a chance to do it. And he's had several years in his career where he's gotten to five complete games, but uh, hasn't happened for several seasons. And tonight would have been number four. But in the end, it had to be Giovanni Gallegos that comes in. The Mookie Betts hit. That one just felt like in that situation, in that moment, like that just shouldn't be allowed. I think I even tweeted out, like that should be made illegal given the set of circumstances there. You know, uh, the backdrop of this game and, and this entire series with the Dodgers being in town, you've got Albert Pujols back in town. You've got the Cardinals clinging to wild card hopes. You've got Adam Wainwright talking about in a video yesterday on his Big League Impact website that he's wanting to pitch again in 2022. He did get asked about that in the post game. We'll, we'll talk plenty of Adam Wainwright throughout this podcast for sure. But then you've got Yadier Molina, you know, the friendship that Yadi and Albert shared and continue to share, but especially over their course of time in St. Louis as teammates and just the idea. And there was a great quote from Mike Schultz tonight. Uh, he, he, he got a little long-winded, but he, he really was impassioned about kind of discussing the the situation and, and Yadier Molina, Albert Pujols, and, and what it means to be a, a great player in the St. Louis Cardinals organization, but really a legacy bearer and, and kind of the way that Albert passed that on to Yadier Molina. And so some cool stuff I'll hopefully be able to jam into tonight's episode. Uh, definitely we'll hear from Adam Wainwright because he had a, a couple of good one-liners, especially regarding an almost home run that he hit to dead. I mean, straightaway center field ball did not quite get out, and Cody Bellinger made a nice play on it robbing him of at least a double like that should have been extra bases the way he he put a charge into that ball but all of that and more will be in store for tonight's episode of course of b-shaped daily make sure if you've not done so already hit the subscribe on your favorite podcast and audio app whether it's spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, or anywhere else you can find all the options at anchor.fm slash bshafer12 and click on more platforms to see all the locations you can find us But appreciate you guys for being along for the ride. So let's go ahead and get into it. Cardinals 5, Dodgers 4. Hadn't been a great week for the Cardinals. They struggled over the weekend, losing a couple games in Milwaukee. And then to open up this four-gamer against the world champions, the defending champion Dodgers, Cardinals get off to a sluggish start. And then they get their stopper on the mound on Wednesday. And he basically said he knew they needed one. Adam Wainwright, that's not a term you often hear must-win game in, in baseball, especially when it's not technically, nothing ever technically is a must-win until it is, until you, you can be eliminated, or obviously postseason games can often feel that way, even if it's not an elimination game. But for the Cardinals tonight, it honestly felt, and to me this was the way I was going to phrase it before kind of thinking about as we're waiting for the Zooms what what could be the the questions that should be brought up this evening and how you'd like to broach it. I thought this was a must-win game, but not not necessarily in the first inning or the fifth inning or the seventh inning. But by the time that ninth inning rolled around and Adam Wainwright gives up the much-maligned hit to Mookie Betts that I said shouldn't be a hit, and then that was when Mike Maddox came out to talk to him and that wasn't the spot to take out Adam Wainwright because you're like, come on, after all of this, you know, this guy, that's not a hit that you're really too worried about. But then Corey Seager got him for a good clean base hit that drove in a run and Giovanni Gallegos was getting ready to go. And so at that point, Mike Schilt makes the switch 
and they go to the bullpen, that's when it felt like a must win. Like, you have got to find a way to hang on to this game because you've outplayed the Dodgers for eight innings. And we've talked about that being a theme. Like, the Cardinals on the day that Michaelis gives up the runs in the first inning, it gives up four runs. The rest of the game, you could say they played even or better than the Dodgers for the other eight innings. But you got to do it for a full nine against these contending quality clubs. And this time, the Cardinals were able to do that and to hang on in this game. Uh, pretty crazy that, that ninth inning. Geo trades and out for a run, getting a fly ball to right field. Uh, Lars Newtbar, anytime he touches the ball, I love the chance of Newt at the ballpark. You heard it there on what was really ultimately a routine fly ball. But that was out number two there in the ninth inning. And then Giovanni Gallegos facing Chris Taylor absolutely dotted him up. You're familiar with the term, especially if you play MLB The Show. Dotted him up on the 2-2 pitch, didn't get the call. And that's one of those where you're up in the press box, you're like, oh, dang, that looked like a good pitch. And then you wait for the monitor to show it, and you're like, yep. That, especially when they have the strike zone on the Valley Sports broadcast, which I know we can talk all day whether or not we prefer that or we liked it when it didn't used to be on there. But when it's on there and you can see it, it does kind of give you the video game vibes. And he puts it right on the corner. You're like, oh, man, how do you not call that and end the game right there? But Gio bounces back, throws some dirt at Chris Taylor, something nasty, and he gets him swinging to end the game. And he showed a lot of emotion as well. It's been a tough ride recently for the Cardinals bullpen. And Gio kind of thrust into this closer role more recently in favor of Alex Reyes, who's struggled and and a big moment to be able to save that game for Wainwright, who absolutely did everything to earn his 15th win of the season. And ultimately, because of the efforts of not only Giovanni Gallegos, but because of Yadier Molina as well, which we'll get into his night offensively that was paced by a big home run and, and made a nice play defensively to start things off in the first inning to kind of keep things where they were for his starting pitcher. Uh, Wainwright was able to get that W. And Derek Gould tweeted this out, pretty great, becoming the first Cardinals pitcher to get that 15th win of the season at age 40 or higher since an individual named Old Pete Alexander. And you literally couldn't make it up if you tried all the age jokes that are made with regard to Adam Wainwright. The guy's name, they literally called him Old Pete. And so Wainwright said he can already hear the jokes going on in the press box regarding that situation as the teammates catch wind of the fact that Adam Wainwright's latest milestone and accomplishment puts him in the same category as an individual named Old Pete, who, as Derek Gould tweeted out, closed the 1926 World Series. So as if it weren't already enough of the uh, the age jokes, Adam Wainwright now in the category of a guy who, who, who... Old is literally in the name, so it doesn't get much better than that. Wainwright, actually, when I asked him a question tonight, was the first one to invoke the age uh, the age reference on his own behalf. And so you'll hear that. I'm going to play a little bit of an extended clip, actually. First of all, we're going to get into what Adam Wainwright had to say about why tonight, in his mind, was a must-win game. And I think it's important to hear from the horse's mouth because you, as fans, it's easy to talk about, and media as well, we talk about you know, whether a team, and I did I did this plenty last night where I talked about it just didn't look like over the last two days the Cardinals had it in them to win those games, and they weren't able to. It, there's the, that one moment when you're going through it that you kind of need to have to pull yourself out of it, and the Cardinals couldn't find that on Monday or Tuesday. 
they just couldn't find that moment that could allow them to to change the fortune, to switch the mojo, and to rise above the, the bit of a funk they were in. And Wainwright talks about in this clip, you'll hear after a question from Jeff Jones, just him describing that, yeah, it was a little bit of a funk, had some tough losses in Milwaukee, and, you know, Tried to not let it impact the next day's game, but sometimes it can be difficult to pull yourself out of that. It's human nature. So you hear that from Adam Wainwright, so we'll get into that right here with a little audio adventure on B-Shape Daily. Yeah, I thought of today as a must-win game. You know, I just, I did. I just felt like we had to have it. Um, we got to get a split from them, in my opinion. Um, we just, it was just, it was just a must-win game. You know, we had a couple of really tough losses in Milwaukee. And, and, uh, I think that just kind of carried over a little bit. It just takes, sometimes it, you know, even if you're fighting against it, sometimes it takes a couple of days to get over a very, very tough loss, unfortunately. And, um, you know, we tried not to, we, we tried to pump ourselves up and, and, uh, you know, sending out good messages and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, Max was tough. The first game, he was going to be very tough. You know, he's been, he's been, uh, lights out since he went over there, but really all season long. So that was a tough one, but yesterday we we let a couple of chances go by, and and uh, their bullpen did a great job. But we needed today; we needed to win bad. We just we just did. You know, it was a big game for us, and hopefully, we get a little momentum going forward. So I think it's kind of fascinating to hear directly from Adam Wainwright talking about a little bit of the mentality of the team over the course of the last few days, and that leading to his belief that they needed this win on Wednesday. You hear him talk about their coming off of that Milwaukee series, as we alluded to earlier in the podcast. They were kind of going through it, and that happens throughout a season. And unfortunately for the Cardinals, they end up having to face Max Scherzer on Monday in the midst of one of those funks. And so when you get into that next game where you're looking for that moment to bring you out of a funk, and you're down early in the contest, and you're facing Max Scherzer... It's probably not going to be that day. That's just the way it works. And then last night on Tuesday, Wainwright mentions there were opportunities to maybe come away with that game and we just didn't do it. And so that led us to needing Wednesday. And again, who else would you rather have on the mound but Adam Wainwright in a game that you feel you have to win? Cardinals end up winning this game. Wainwright was tremendous. The final box score and the final line on his night doesn't even do it justice because he was a pitch here or there away from finishing that complete game in the ninth inning. He goes eight and a third, gives up four earned runs, seven hits, four Ks, but was coming into that ninth inning having allowed just four hits. And you you factor the one from Mookie Betts there in the ninth, that was a cheap. He gave up a couple of other hits that it just ends up being what chases him from the game in the ninth inning. And technically not a quality start either, which is just kind of crazy to think about given the run that Adam Wainwright has been on recently and the fact that this game tonight is the one that breaks his string of consecutive quality starts because he had been riding high. This game tonight is one that brings his ERA ever so dangerously close to 3.0, but he's still below it. His ERA goes from 2.91, which is what it where it stood before Wednesday's game. Now it's at 2.98, and a lot of that coming in the ninth inning as 
it was just two earned runs and then it becomes four. The definition of a quality start, got to be at least six innings, but you've also got to be three earned runs or fewer, and you don't get bonus points for pitching into the ninth inning, eight and a third. It's like the same ratio, right? An ERA of a little bit better than 4.50 is what Wainwright produced on Wednesday by going eight and a third, giving up four runs. But the nature of the statistic, which is kind of a rudimentary statistic, but one that we do pay some attention to to articulate how well a, a guy is performing, Wainwright does not classify in that way. So July 21st was the beginning of this streak, and he went seven innings, one run, seven and two, seven and three, seven and two, nine and zero, six and two, eight and zero, seven and zero, six and a third, and one. All of those in the earned run categories. So quick math tells me that is a streak of nine consecutive quality starts for Wainwright. Yep, tonight is the night that that streak was broken. But one of the better, more significant outings of the entire stretch for Adam Wainwright because it was the Dodgers, because you're coming off that four-game losing skid and the Cardinals just felt like they needed to get one and they did, thanks in part to the efforts by Adam Wainwright. But Mike Schilt was quick to talk about the fact that this was a collective team win tonight from the Cardinals and there were other contributors in this game, no doubt about it. One of those guys was Yadier Molina. Hardly a surprise. Mike Schilt was asked on Tuesday about guys that rise to the occasion can rise to the moment, and that was in reference on Tuesday to Albert Pujols returning to St. Louis, getting back in the lineup in his first at-bat, hitting a home run to the delight of the crowd, especially once Nolan Arenado got the RBI in the bottom of the first inning on Tuesday to negate the lead that it provided the Dodgers because the Cardinals fans still would like to see the Cardinals win, but yeah, he got cheered. It's not a surprise. Like, it's Albert Pujols, and so that only makes sense. But the question was regarding guys that rise to the moment, and Mike Schultz said, well, you know, I'm not going to name who's the best of this group, but I've got two on my, my current team right now, and Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright that do a darn good job of of that from a position player and then from a pitcher perspective. And so tonight we know that Adam Wainwright rose to the occasion, as he often does when the Cardinals need him to. It's been amazing what he's been able to do this season under those circumstances. And Mike Schill keeps getting asked about it because it keeps happening, but he, he keeps saying, you know, I'd rather not have to answer questions about him being the stopper. I'd rather talk about him being the continuance, the guy who keeps something good going. But it's it's been kind of the opposite so far this season where Adam Wainwright has had to bail out the Cardinals from some losing skids in a lot of ways. And man, think about where the Cardinals would be without Adam Wainwright, like well below 500 at this point. Then think about where they would be if they had somebody else doing anything close to what he's been able to accomplish because they wouldn't be in this situation where they're scrapping for their wild card lives. But talk about Yadier Molina. First of all, in the, in the first inning, you have a situation where the Dodgers could potentially kind of put this game out of reach before it really gets started. And a big relay occurs that Edmundo Sosa catches a throw from the outfield. I believe it was Harrison Bader on a ball that was kind of in the left center field gap and fires an absolute strike to Yachty at the plate. And Yachty is Johnny on the spot with the tag. It's just what he's been doing his entire career. And he does it again in that moment to be able to help Adam Wainwright limit the damage. And then he turns around in the bottom of the first inning and contributes to become the reason the Cardinals take the lead. 
Arenado after the, the inning got started with, with some good work by Tommy Edmond, Paul Goldschmidt, getting some guys there on base, you end up with Norman Arenado grounding into a tough out that uh, allows the run to score. Then it's Yadier Molina, though, with the big swing, hitting a home run to virtually the same spot in the left field stands that Albert hit his on Tuesday yesterday, which was kind of interesting. Uh, Yadier's was more of a uh, of a fly ball than Albert's, which was more of a line drive that he kind of swung off the shoe tops and was able to hit out. But pretty much the same spot. Like, if you're a fan with season tickets in that spot, you might have caught both balls. I don't know exactly how close it was, but it certainly seemed that way watching it. And so Yachty, an absolute contributor to what he was able, or I should say to what the Cardinals were able to accomplish on Wednesday with the victory, not only offensively, but defensively as well. Yachty had another hit later in the game that was kind of the the quintessential double down the left field line into the corner, but he was credited with only a single and then an error because the left fielder started to bobble the ball. Yachty turned around first like he was going to go to second. This is why I originally tweeted it that it was a double because I just thought it was. But it was funny to, the way he rounded first base, came to almost a dead stop, and, and reverted to where he was going to turn back toward first, but then noticed that the ball was still kind of bouncing around out there, and he was able to walk into second base at that point. So off the bat, looks like a double with Yachty running. Ultimately, the uh, the foot speed, I think, there cost him the official extra base hit. But reaches base a couple of times tonight for the Cardinals. Again, the big home run coming through. He actually was on base three times. He drew a walk as well. So a good productive night for Yachty, scoring two runs for St. Louis. Definitely needed that from him. But it was interesting to hear from Mike Schilt tonight. I want to play this clip. It's a little longer, but I think it's worth it to kind of into the mindset. And he, he really did get lost in the question and allow himself to, to answer it with some good passion. So I appreciated that from Mike Schilt. But I want to play that for you here, and we'll talk about it a little bit after you guys hear the audio clip. Here's Cardinals manager Mike Schilt on Wednesday night. Yeah, another another notch in his belt. Another example for our team, quite honestly. You know, we have guys that are figuring out what that looks like. And I, I, I can't speak, wouldn't try to speak for Wayno and Yachty. Um, but my observation has been in this organization is that there's a mantle of experience that's passed along and I've seen it for a long time in this organization. And part of that mantle is understanding what that looks like in those moments. And there's two ways that happens. One, players talk about what those experiences are like, how you deal with it, what's it about, and, and help people grow from that. The best leadership is by modeling. And Adam Wainwright has shown our entire pitching staff and our team how to compete and not only the days every fifth or sixth day whatever that looks like when he's on the mound which clearly that's on display how he stays in control how he does the little things fields his position holds runners makes big pitches understands how to pitch knows where his outs are executes something doesn't go well is able to regroup like he got two and on a guy today and just step back regroup made a pitch um Yachty, same thing. He models how to play the game. Get a runner over, sure. The other day, Milwaukee's looking to get a bunt down to move a couple runners, ends up getting a wall. Um, you know, that's the that's the biggest part of this is, you know, again, he's been able to do it, but the 
residual value of the, the example of how we compete at every turn is on display when those guys perform. And, um, you know, you learn to do it and some guys don't. And they took advantage of the opportunity they got from the Chris Carpenters. And, you know, why do you think the brotherhood of Wayno and Yachty and Yachty and Albert are so strong? A lot of reasons, but there's common threads about, hey, you know, I know Albert put his arm around Yachty. So, hey, this is how we do it. This is what this looks like, you know. And um, and then Yachty had to have the desire and want to and the dedication to his craft to, to, and, and the intestinal fortitude to do it himself, as does as Wayno. So that was Cardinals manager Mike Shield on Wednesday night. I just thought it was a good quote to kind of illustrate what ties together Adam Wainwright to Yadier Molina to Albert Pujols. And you hear Schilt there toward the end mention Chris Carpenter and just kind of the cardinal way, I think, summed up into a little bit more of the X's and O's of what that looked like, at least from Mike Schilt's perspective from tonight. So I thought that was a little bit interesting as well. Wanted to get that out there for you guys. Uh, We're approaching that 25-minute mark of the podcast, and that's usually when I try to begin to wind things down most of the time. However, I do want to circle back on Adam Wainwright and play one of the more comedic quotes. He had several tonight. There was one from a point a little later on in the Zoom where he talked about his desires to play in 2022 and how his family has factored into that and how there may need to be some negotiations ongoing, not only between Wainwright and the Cardinals, but between Adam and the rest of his family, who's ready to get a dog. They're ready for a pet dog. And Wainwright had said they would need to wait until he retires, but that could potentially be up for some negotiation at this point in time. I'll play that clip for you from Cardinal starter, Adam Wainwright. My daughters are, and son and they are just, they're so great. Um, they, they know I'm having fun. We've had a, we've had a rule where um, as soon as I retire, I'm going to get them a dog. You know, because we, we have so many kids uh, just when I'm gone a lot, it's still a bit, a lot of pressure on, on Jenny to, to mind a dog too. So um, they, uh, they've been wanting a dog for a while, but they, they're like, all right, you can play, but can we still get a dog? I'm like, you know, so uh, we got to negotiate that. My wife is coming around to it, but uh, we'll see what happens. Do they have a specific breed they want that they're trying to get you to get? I think they would take a, a mutt right off the street just to have a dog, you know, I mean, just because some of those, sometimes those are the best dogs anyways, but no, I think they just ready to have a little a pet in the house and, uh, you know, selfish dad's been playing baseball since the Vietnam war almost. And, and they hadn't been able to have a dog. So I feel bad about it, but I'm having fun. Well, we still got some negotiations to go through. So stay tuned to be shaped daily and Twitter to uh, find out, whether the Wainwright family will, in fact, get a dog this offseason. More interesting, even than that, perhaps, will be the, the the question of whether Wainwright does officially return to the Cardinals for 2022. That has not been confirmed. Wainwright said, you know, the plan for now is to play, but you got to find a contract. you got to find common ground with the, the Cardinals. That, to me, should not be an issue at all. John Mosellock talking about, and we mentioned this last night, with Yadier Molina, what was he going to do, argue over money and that how that just wasn't an option and they wanted to get it done early? Wainwright has been an incredible contributor for the Cardinals. You might argue, and, and I would, 
even more central and, and instrumental in what they've been able to do successfully this season than even Yachty with what he's done uh, stabilizing the rotation. And so, yeah, he's going he's gonna to deserve one more payday, and the Cardinals have got to make sure to get that done for him uh, sooner rather than later. There's no reason to let this linger into the offseason. I, I think it should happen next week. But we'll see what ends up happening with that. And Adam Wainwright did want to give you one more gem from Wayno from Wednesday night. I referenced his hit, the one that wasn't, the one that carried almost all the way to the wall in dead center field. Cody Bellinger made a nice play on it. But I did get a chance to ask Adam Wainwright about it after he talked about the fact that Albert Pujols still can put a surge into a ball, as we saw last night. So wanted to pitch him very carefully. I'm not going to play you the whole quote that he had to say about Albert, but we'll play you what I asked him next in his response to the home run that was almost at age 40 to dead center at Bush Stadium. Here's Adam Wainwright. Speaking of putting a charge into the ball, did you think you might have got that one to center field? I did. I did think I got it, you know, um, especially as when I saw him kind of going back on it and try, trying to find the wall. I thought, oh, man, it's going to be my first homer to center field at Bush. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, 39, that still goes out, I think. 40, warning track power. So, hey, that's living proof right there. I'm not the one that brought up the age thing. That was all him. But doing so in jest. Uh, later on, he said, so what if I'm 40? I don't care. I feel great. And that was in reference to his pitching. But always a little more self-deprecating when it comes to his offense, which he does take very seriously. And he would have loved nothing more than to be able to get a home run there. Uh, turns out Tyler O'Neill had a home run in this game that ended up being the difference. Hadn't talked about that yet, but O'Neill has been swinging the bat pretty well as of late. We did mention on Tuesday's B-Shape Daily, his 3-for-3 day on Tuesday with a couple of doubles, added a home run to that tonight, and he's got several multi-hit games over the last week or two. So heating up, continuing to really do what he had done earlier in the season, had gone through then a little bit of a lull, maybe early August. I haven't checked the exact dates on that, but has come back around to where he's been a very strong focal point of the Cardinals' offense at least over the last week or two. So good to see from Tyler O'Neill. Adam Wainwright's still looking for that home run to center field at Bush Stadium. And in general, that home run at age 40, How the bragging rights on that, I think that, that baseball would go on a, a prime spot on the mantle. Wainwright's got a couple more weeks to be able to get that done. He may not have the chance next season if the DH is back in effect, even if he does return to the Cardinals. They might go universal DH on him and, and have that at bat tonight. That might be the one of the one of the last good balls that he was able to hit. It ended up in the glove of Cody Bellinger. How fair is that? Not fair at all. But that's the way it goes sometimes. Thank you all for joining me for this edition of B Shape Daily. Gonna wrap things up here after we've broken down this Cardinals five to four victory. Thursday afternoon will be a twelve fifteen start at Bush Stadium. Adam Wainwright said, in my opinion, we need to have the sweep, or not the sweep, the split. Cardinals will be looking for the split of the four-game series. It's going to be Jake Woodford on the mound. That was announced officially tonight in the Cardinals' press box. Tony Gonsolin will oppose him for the Dodgers. So a little bit of intrigue with KK, as I saw a report on Twitter that I retweeted. Check out my feed at for 12 talking about KK maybe expressing some displeasure to a Korean outlet about being removed from the rotation. It's been kind of a weird deal with that. We talked about this a little bit at length on last night's episode. Just the idea the Cardinals have had such a short leash with him. I mean, even going back to 2020 when he started the season technically as the closer for that first game, and it just he does not seem natural or comfortable in that role. 
And I feel like with a, a player coming from another place who's been a starter his whole career, doesn't speak the language, has a lot of adjustments he's had to make to his life, Cardinals have been a little bit quick to dismiss him into the bullpen. I know he had a bad outing last weekend, and that's why Jake Woodford came in and relieved him and was very good. But now Woodford darn well better be good tomorrow. Like, because I, I just don't know if the, the right move is yanking KK around. Like, could you imagine them yanking John Lester around and telling John Lester you're in the bullpen? Why is it any different with KK? I really can't articulate why it's so different. To me, it does feel like the Cardinals are treating it differently. Like, John Lester, that wouldn't happen. Now, Lester pitched better of late. At least one of his recent starts was pretty good. And so that's not the current situation. And KK has had injuries this season where they may be thinking he's not built up to withstand that workload. Workload wasn't the issue in his start last weekend. He just gave up a lot of runs in one inning. But I do think there maybe is something something there where the Cardinals are just saying, yeah, we're just more comfortable. We, we think KK can handle that role better in the bullpen. I'm just saying I don't think that's true. I don't think there's anything that he's demonstrated over the course of his career, not only in career, but with the Cardinals as well. That, dem- that that would suggest that KK is someone who could handle a bullpen role and thrive in it. I maybe I'm wrong. I think he would thrive as a starter if he's if he's fully healthy. And maybe the Cardinals are just saying he's not fully healthy. He's not at his peak capacity, and we can't wait around for him to get there. And so we're going to try Jake Woodford on Thursday. But definitely, I kind of figured KK would be a guy that would be a shoe in to return to the Cardinals next season. His contract is expiring, but they'll have to do something to you know, maybe bring him back. At this point, I'm kind of wondering if that's the case, if he's got some displeasure with the way he's being handled and, and believes he should be in the rotation. The Cardinals are sitting there saying, look, you gave up seven runs or whatever it was, and and we need to go with another direction and try to suit you in the bullpen. I'm just kind of wondering maybe how that's going to go, which if that's the case, that's another hole in the rotation for 22 that the Cardinals will need to address. But just wanted to add that quick little addendum. It will be Jake Woodford on Thursday and we'll see what KK's role looks like going forward for the Cardinals over the final few weeks of the season. Thank you all once again for joining me for this edition of B-Shape Daily. Always a blast bringing it to you, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace!